What's the snack today? Is that a shamrock shake? It's pink. It's yogurt and frozen strawberries and almond milk. Is almond milking a profession now? Is it a profession? Yeah, almond milking. <laughs> yes, yes. They train mice with their tiny, tiny little <laughs> paws to milk the almonds. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, that has not reached automation by AI. <laughs> no, not yet. They can't make the robots small enough, I don't think. Yeah, the nanotechnology, maybe. It's yeah, awesome. maybe with the coming nanotechnology, they'll be able to have the little robot milkers. I'm John Nash. I'm here with Jason Johnston. Hey, John. Hey, everyone. And this is Online Learning in the Second Half, the online learning podcast. Yes, it is. We are doing this podcast to let you in on a conversation we've been having for the last two years about online education. And it basically goes like this. Online learning's had its chance to be great. And some of it is, but a lot of it still just isn't. So how are we going to get to the next stage? That is a great question. How about we do a podcast and talk about it? That's perfect. What do you want to talk about today? Well, John, I think you know this, but we are living in the future. It's not quite flying cars yet, but not long ago, I was picked up at the airport by a self-driving car. You were in a self-driving car? Yes. What airport was this? I flew into Phoenix Airport. This company called Waymo, and you can look it up, you can download the app, has two areas that it operates out of. One is Phoenix, and one is San Francisco, and they have very limited areas within the city that they operate out of, but it's a fully autonomous, without any human co-pilot or anything, car that will come and pick you up at your location. So no humans. I thought humans had to be in these cars. Apparently not. Does it depend on the jurisdiction or the state laws? I think it is in a test round right now. And because of that, and I, I, I might have clicked on some disclaimers as I went through. I'm not sure. I'm, sorry. I'm laughing because it's like, well, because it's in a test round, we're not going to put any humans as a safety measure in the car. Right. Well, I was a human in the car, I guess. <laughs> that was the test. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so can you? You know, it goes to limited areas, so you didn't go very far in this thing, or it took you where you wanted to go, or I didn't, I couldn't quite get to my hotel with it. So it works like an Uber for anybody uh, that has done an Uber or Lyft. You have an app, you tell it where you want it to go, or where you want to get picked up, and they had a location, uh, basically the Uber location for getting picked up at the Phoenix Airport, and so I had it pick me up there, tell it where I wanted to go, and so I couldn't quite get to my hotel, so. Instead, I was hungry, and I went to get some street tacos, just probably a couple miles from the Phoenix airport. So what kind of car picks you up? Oh, I was it was cool because I didn't realize until I was at it, but it was actually a Jaguar, like a little Jaguar SUV crossover. So it was a very nice by car. by a Jag. Yeah, by a Jag. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Okay, test round in a Jaguar. You just get into the doors open for you or what's what walked me through this? So I did the app thing, had to come and pick me up and you could watch it coming around the corner via the map on the app, just like an Uber. And then it just pulls up 
Uh, what was interesting was it pulled up basically right in front of me, and up at the top, it had this kind of like I guess it was part of the the lidar. People can't see my fingers <laughs> going in a circular motion, but it was this like lidar at the top, but it also had a little screen on it that had my initials. JJ on the top of the car, like a little hologram kind of thing. Yeah, almost like a little hologram kind of thing on the top. And it pulled up, had my initials on it. And then the way it works is in the app, you can't pull on any of the handles. They're recessed. And so you have to hit a button on the app in order for the handle to pop out so that you can open up the door. I had a suitcase and I walked around the car just to check it out, but also to figure out if there was a way I could get into the trunk. But there didn't seem to be any way I could get into the trunk. So I awkwardly loaded the suitcase. And, and I wasn't sure if I should get into the front seat or not. And so I awkwardly loaded the suitcase into the back seat and then got into the back seat with my suitcase. And then once inside, it had a screen uh, for the back seat where you could uh, click for it to start. And it asked you to close the door. And it had this very ethereal, calming music inside and was speaking to me saying, welcome. And then I could click on a button for it to go and start the trip. And honestly, this is something, John, that I've been watching for feels like a long time. And I, like you, probably a little bit of a nerd. And so I've been dreaming about my first self-driving car moment. And it didn't disappoint. It was really a very smooth, luxurious, easy ride in the self-driving car. Was it... It pulls into traffic and then uh, presumably you're on a two-way street or something. You're at an oh. airport. And so th there's oncoming traffic. You're not nervous or it doesn't seem untoward or. You know, because we weren't going that fast. And so I didn't feel super uncomfortable from that standpoint. Maybe I would have felt different if we were pulling onto a highway. It was very cautious. It stopped everywhere it's supposed to stop. It did its blinkers. One thing that surprised me, though, one part of getting out of the uh, airport was that it came to a roundabout. And I know a lot oh. of humans that struggle with roundabouts. And so it was it was interesting to watch it very just easily and slowly navigate uh, the roundabout. But this is where it was a little strange. And I did. I thought this was the case when it was going. But it looked to be that it didn't quite get me to the taco place. Like it just fell short by about a block. And I remember I was trying to get it to go right where the taco place was, but it wouldn't quite go there. And so it dropped me off and it pulled into this, this kind of dark industrial looking streetway that this was a little abandoned and maybe somebody was walking around and it seemed a little odd to me. This seems a little, yeah, because if you're putting yourself into the hands of a self-driving automobile that's supposed to get you to your destination in an area you don't know, and it doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now, I will say that there was a help button I could have done if I was uncomfortable. I, I have this video on YouTube, and we'll post the link so you can see my experience. And uh, the one of the programmers, actually, from Waymo, replied to my YouTube, mm. and told me that I can always edit my drop-off point even after I've come to a stop if I wasn't happy with it. But it's not something I knew. It was probably in those disclaimers at the front or something that I didn't really read and just said okay to. And so it it basically stopped. And I was like, oh, I guess that is it. So I opened up the door and and pulled up my suitcase, closed up the door, and then it just took off. 
Just left you. Just left me. Good luck. And so I opened up my map app to make sure I was going in the right direction to the street taco place. And it was just about a block away. And I don't feel super nervous in these kind of situations. But I did notice, though, as I was walking towards the street taco place, that it basically dropped me off just outside of like an adult emporium. You know, I kept on walking, of course, and went onto the street taco place. But it just was one of those streets. And so it was a little, that part of it was a little strange. And and you could have, yeah. And then you find out later, well, I could have amended that by staying in the car. Crazy. (laughs) Wow. Well, what do you take from this? I've thought about it, of course, while I was there. And so I was curious to see what your kind of first take as you were listening to the story and how this either applies to our own experience with uh, new technologies coming in, or I guess directly, I really want to be thinking about how technologies apply to online learning and the future of online learning. I'm thinking about the fact still that you got in a car with no other humans in it during a test phase. It just seems in, I don't know why that seems a little insane to me. It's, you know, a 3000 pound vehicle that you have, you sit in the back of that nobody is controlling. Right. That does seem pretty amazing. When I've told this story, I've had a lot of people, they're divided about whether or not they would do that at this Mm -hmm. point in the, in the stage of the development, whether or not they would get into a, get into a self-driving car. I mean, I couldn't get in the back seat of my SUV and let other family members drive so I could take a nap. I was too. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you would feel, knowing what you have heard about my self-driving car experience, would you feel more or less comfortable with uh, with family members versus Waymo, a Waymo Jaguar? I think. Well, firstly, I should make a big disclaimer that any proclivities I have about other people driving, uh, family members or not, are my problem and not their problem. <laughs> right, right. I would probably not take a nap in that Jaguar. Mm. Maybe after some time of uh, getting used to it, I would be more relaxed. But I think I would be pretty vigilant about what it was doing. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's interesting to think about if we leap to our considerations of online learning and what AI is doing, I can't help but think of the news this week as we record this on the first day of spring that uh, Khan Academy is going to integrate GPT-4 into its modeling to create an intelligent (laughs) tutor for the material that it presents. Instead of Amigo, yeah, Khan Amigo, which I think is really neat, but also it's this adorable little chat icon with big eyes. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, I have to confess there. So I went out onto Chad and I said, well, talk to me a little bit about self-driving cars and talk to me a little bit about online learning and personalized learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had some interesting ideas, but I think one is that, you know, when we think about a self-driving car taking over driving responsibilities fully and <laughs> automatically, uh, mm-hmm. That reminds me of what Khan Academy is trying to do, which is trying to bring some guidance and support just when the student needs it. I suppose mm-hmm. that we could start to see this kind of technology into our own cars where we it already does. I mean, we have passive radar systems and things for right. monitoring speed and doing uh, cruise control. Yeah. But uh, driver I assisted, I think they call those. Yes. A driver assistant versus self-driving. Right. 
So how much self-driving will come along when you need it? Or will it, you know, an adaptive system like what Conmigo will do will give you explanations or feedback or additional resources. How could that be thought about for the cars and, and also vice versa? Yeah. Speaking of, of cars, and this will date me a little bit, but around the year 2000 or so, uh, when I worked in another place, I was on a business trip to Munich and we were at BMW headquarters. And when we had some off time with the engineers, we were invited to test BMW's first prototype of a passive radar cruise control system. Amazing. Uh, and I got to drive this car on the Autobahn and test this out, and which doesn't seem that fantastical. But what makes the story fun is that the entire apparatus was operated by a Pentium 386 desktop <laughs> machine in the back seat of this BMW 3 Series. <laughs> and the engineer who ran it was rebooting it as we were going down the road. But that's <laughs> what they had this thing tested on. But that was pretty oh my. <laughs> Well, hopefully it wasn't like Windows ME or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Clippy comes up and tells me I need to slow down. <laughs> like, no, Clippy. <laughs> Clippy, I already I already muted you, Clippy. <laughs> but what do you th what do you think about this, and what does it relate to what we want to do with online learning? Yeah, and I think that's really interesting what you said there about the uh, BMW because it speaks to how long we've been playing with this technology, and how long this has been a, a kind of a dream of inventors and of drivers to be able to have some either computer assisted driving or fully computer controlled driving. And I feel the same way about myself when it comes to online learning. I've thought for years about what if every learner comes into their degree or whatever into high school or where whatever you want to think about in terms of your kind of goalposts for learning. And instead of being slotted into the same classes with everybody else, you are taken on a personalized journey of learning. That be begins where you are and takes and takes you at the speed that you can go, works with you in whatever your dispositions are and so on, and then gets you to your end goal when you want to get there, you know? And so I've been thinking about this for a while. And even with self-driving cars, for a decade, I've been thinking about the fact that my kids who are approaching now, coming up to a driving age, I remember thinking when they were five and six, it's like, well, they may not even need driver's license, right? We may all be in self-driving cars and I won't have to take them to school. They'll just hop in the electric VW self-driving van and it'll take them to school and then pop back whenever I need to head to work. But that's not the case. You know, we're quite a ways off from that. And I feel the same way about online learning. I feel like this idea of adaptive personalized learning is is still a little bit of a little bit of a pipe dream or something that isn't quite yet actualized. I keep thinking of you telling Siri to go pick up your kids while you yeah. sit and have coffee at your kitchen table. Well, it, when you talked about when AI might be part of a dialogue with a learner on their own, I'm reminded a little bit of my recent interactions with Bing's AI implementation and the way in which the AI chatbot 
closes out the conversations by asking me a reflective question. Right. When I thought I was in the driver's seat asking it questions to give me data back. And I was of two minds there. One mind was, excuse me, I'm asking you the questions. I need some information. And then the other mind of me was saying, well, actually, that's nice that you're asking me to reflect on why the heck I'm asking you this question. Because that sort of iterative reflection helps me think about whether I'm on the right track or what my ultimate goals are. Usually I've formed a goal in my head about why I want to ask the AI bot a question, and I don't question that goal. And what Bing does is actually uh, ask me to reflect on whether I'm even chasing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. I had a couple of thoughts where you were talking. One is that in that those early stages of Bing trial, they didn't have any limitations on how long your conversations could be. And this is why this is why a lot of people were getting into really strange conversations, I think, with Bing, mm-hmm. because you could you could have a conversation for hours with Bing. It would just keep on going. They would ask you a reflective question, you would answer back, it would ask another question, and it would really be like a conversation. And then I think in the limited, another limited roll-off, I think they were doing maybe five or eight responses. Yeah. Mine is up to 15 now. I can do 15 responses. Yeah, with, I thought it went to, I had 20 the other day, then I dialed it back. So it's 15 oh, interesting. now. Yeah. yeah. So they're figuring out that kind of level to which they, you know, how how long can we let this go on before it starts getting a little strange or it starts getting to a place where Bing could be hacked a little easier in terms of going down mm-hmm. directions we don't want it to go. I got the feeling that Microsoft started to understand that in terms of prompt engineering, good prompts have to be scaffolded over mm. a series of prompts, five, six, seven, to get where you want to go. So you have to feed it some things, ask it the things, tell it to make some assumptions about some things. Then you can ultimately ask on the eighth prompt, you can ask it what right. you want it want to do. Yeah, wherever it was at, like five or eight, it felt too short for some things for me. Like I felt like I was just getting to it and then it would close off the conversation. Then I would have to start from scratch and kind of re-engineer my prompt, knowing what I knew about it later on, but it wasn't as fluid. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. But I like this idea of this kind of reflective asking questions. It's not just there as a help, but actually guiding students like in a conmigo kind of way where the learner just isn't thinking about where where they want to go, but the computer or learning system is also thinking about where it's trying to take the learner in terms of goals. This is the possibility thinking of AI is when, and this is what we've talked about before, when, when AI is able to do our laundry for us, what, what can we do next with that (laughs) time and energy? What can we build upon? And I think about that with math learning that once we got the calculator, I felt like we started to build on top of that versus really focusing on a lot of those rudimentary aspects of math. But maybe math teachers would would argue with me that that was a, that was a step back. I'm not sure. I don't think that AI-induced laundry machines will make me want to study laundry more. However, I do think that as AI begins to take on tasks like the calculator did, teachers are going to begin to have 
time to rethink the concepts they want to teach mm-hmm. and how they want to teach them <clears throat> and change the way they assess the attainment of these sort of higher order goals. Yeah, I think it's very possible that we are on the edge of another renaissance here that will be pushed forward by by AI. Um, I mean, we won't know until hi- this time in history has passed, mm-hmm. but it's very possible. I was thinking about my other experience that night of driving from then my street taco place, which was excellent. I'll also put the link in the notes for that excellent. street taco place if you're in Phoenix, to my hotel that I used an Uber. And some of the, just the 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 contrast of the two experiences had a Uber driver who was a local Phoenix person. There was a big golf game in town coming up and some, and the Super Bowl was actually going to be in the next week. And so we're chit-chatting about that. It was a much more human experience for mm-hmm. sure. I was not asked to tip the robot driver. So my, my per mile, the robot car was cheaper than taking the Uber. And so I don't know if that's just a test, a test thing or if it is, is the way that things would be. But I, I don't know, I don't know where I'm at, to be honest. I don't know what, which one I would, if, if we could have a world, I, I don't think I want a world with all robot taxis. You know what I mean? Although it yeah. was a novel, it was a great experience. I, I don't know that I want that I wish for a world where we replace even those really casual opportunities to connect with people. I agree with you. And it's also complicated because this touches on labor markets. It touches on, I mean, look how Uber and Lyft and ride sharing in general disrupted taxis. Right. Uh, And yet the labor practices of those companies that disrupted the taxi system are not exactly lauded. They are seen as an escape hatch for people, but those companies are not seen as being the most rewarding folks right. towards their employees. Yeah. So it's it's complicated, isn't it? It is. And and tying it back to education, there seems to be a world teacher shortage. I know that for public school teachers, they don't feel like they have the time to individually address all the concerns of all their students and to be able to guide them individually. Most of them would love to be able to sit down and take them on a guided tour through the intricacies of of figuring out the quadratic equation or whatever, but they just, you know, that's just not the case. And so we've got a place like Khan coming in and being able to give a uh, self-guided tour. You got 30 kids in your in your classroom. It's right there. It'll be available for all of them at their own pace, whatever questions they ha- have yeah. at any point. So does the teacher become a human tutor on top of the AI tutor? Right. I know that teachers today that are trying chat GPT, even at 3.5 or the, and when the 4.0 becomes faster are finding affordances that allow them more time with students because they can take care of the routine things that can take hours, lesson planning, rubric Mm -hmm. creation, Mm -hmm. uh, other pro forma activities that districts require due to state requirements that are mostly paperwork, but need Mm -hmm. to be done. Mm -hmm. Now they're done in a fraction of the time if you can get the prompting right. And then you have time to work with your kids. Yeah. So I think there's... I think there's lots of opportunity here for AI, the self-driving course, 
to help augment students' learning without necessarily replacing uh, the teachers that are there. But there may be some places that teachers do get replaced. I'm not sure. And there may be some teachers that it's not, there's no love lost. But I don't know that we'd be looking back nostalgically at our conmigo in the fourth grade and about how much conmigo meant to us. Excellent um, point. No. But at the same time, we were talking about Clippy earlier, you know, and so there may be some nostalgia with uh, Conmigo. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Uh, we, we speak about Clippy with nostalgic derision. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was different. It was a different place than our, than our fourth grade teacher that actually took us by the hand and cared for us. And so, yes. Uh, yeah. I can name all my teachers from kindergarten through fifth grade at my elementary school. I don't know that I would look back and say, well, I sure loved fourth grade with Conmigo. Yeah. I would rather think about Mr. Draguette or third grade with Miss Stewart. Yeah. Well, what do you think wrapping this up today, John? What are your closing thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm impressed that we were able to make as many analogies as we could to online learning from your short ride to a taco stand in Phoenix. It's yeah. fascinating. But yeah, that's good. And it also reminds me that we want to hear from other people as well. We'd love to continue this conversation. I'd be interested to hear about other people's experience in self-driving cars. Are they on the side where they would get into a self-driving car or they wouldn't? Would they get into a self-driving course or they wouldn't? What their preference is? And maybe there's certain uh, circumstances that people would or, and wouldn't do it. I'm not sure. So if you want to chime in, uh, find us on. Uh, LinkedIn. We've got a group there. It's Online Learning Podcast at LinkedIn, or you can go to our website, onlinelearningpodcast.com and find all the all the shows there, as well as a link through to our LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, please like, subscribe, let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely. And quick shout out, join us at uh, OLC Innovate on April 20th in Nashville. We're going to have a meet and greet and a recording on the 21st too. So we're doing design thinking and online learning on the 20th and doing some remote podcasting on the 21st. And then this week, Jason, you are co-moderating a panel on March 23rd at UT Knoxville. I'm a guest on that panel. We're going to be talking about AI and its role and implications in higher ed. Yeah, we've got a, a bunch of amazing people on that panel. I'm I'm really looking forward to the conversation. And so I'm sure we'll loop back on that. I don't think this podcast will be out before that forum happens. So yeah, it'll be interesting to do a little loop back on that. And I think there's a few people on that forum as well that we'll probably get in as as guests in the coming months. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, well, great talking to you, John. This was uh, really interesting. Thanks for being interested in my self-driving car experience. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to... Uh... I have to check that out next time I'm in a community that has that. You know, I got to say, I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. SFO is my home airport, if I had to name one. I can't see getting in a self-driving car and going out of SFO. I just don't feel it. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's interesting. People who've been in, in and out of SFO probably know what I'm talking about. I won't go into the details. But yeah, that, that seems, that feels different. Your ride sounded very kind of side streety and calm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was much calmer than some, a lot of airports, which may be why they chose that as one of the places. But yeah. yeah. Can I tell you my self-driving dream car? Uh, yes. It's actually a self-driving RV. To me, it feels <laughs> like 
that will be the goal. That's now where we get there, where we can blow the family into the self-driving RV. Yep. We go to sleep that night and we wake up in, I don't know, St. Louis to check out the Arch. We go to sleep the next night and we wake up you know, out in somewhere in the Tetons and do a little hike. And then we wake up the next night and we're on the beach or whatever. So it would have to be electric though, of course, too. Of course. Uh, I think we need some test cases. I think, you know, like uh, traveling bands might test this first. That's right. In fact, I they think can... Willie Nelson would be an ideal candidate. Oh, yeah, Willie Nelson. Neil Young might even make one, actually. He, he might be into making one. That's yeah, nice. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs>